Welcome to Severance Radio, a Nevada Reads on-air book club. I'm Heidi Kaiser. Over the course of 13 episodes, Severance Radio will dissect a single book, Severance, the satirical dystopian novel by Ling Ma. This book is a mixture of immigrant family story, corporate satire, and global health crisis. It's also the story of Candace Chen. Candace is a millennial first-generation American office drone who meanders her way into adulthood and ends up finding a world devoid of choice and feeling. During our live weekly radio broadcast, listeners heard an excerpt from the audiobook followed by discussions featuring literary luminaries, educators, and subject matter experts. For our podcast listeners, we leave out the book and cut straight to the conversation. Think of this as your own personal book club in podcast form. If you haven't read Severance yet, that's okay. These conversations are meant to serve as an accompaniment to the novel. Though, full disclosure, some of our guests, in addition to making insightful points, do indeed hint at plot spoilers. So read the book. Okay, got your book? Great. Let's get started. As Severance readers know, when Candace was a toddler, her mother left a respected job in Fuzhou to accompany her husband to Utah. As they made their U.S. home, Candace's mother grew incredibly homesick. In this episode of Severance Radio, Nasia Anam interviews novelist Bonnie Chow about acculturation and female characters. Anam is an assistant professor of English literature and global Anglophone literature at the University of Nevada, Reno. Chow is the author of All Roads Lead to Blood and a 2020 Shearing Fellow at Black Mountain Institute. Hear them delve into acculturation and female characters. Enjoy. Well, Bonnie, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I'm really excited to talk to you about um, your book, All Roads Lead to Blood and Severance in Tandem. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So I, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about, I know that Severance came out a while ago and it has started to seem like almost a different book or, or like it's taking on a different meeting in this time of global pandemic. And um, I actually read it for the first time in March or April, which was very spooky in terms of its prescience. But, um, but did you have the experience yourself of reading it before the pandemic or during? What's, what's, uh, what was your timeline with reading Severance? Um, well, I read Severance, I guess it, it must have been a few years ago now. Um, I had an early copy, so it was before it was published. And then just recently reread it, um, kind of knowing or anticipating it to maybe ring too true. And I mean, I, I guess it definitely did just that, you know, especially as someone who was until very recently living in New York City as well. But there were also a lot of other things that I kind of discovered upon rereading it um, that I think I hadn't noticed the first time around um, in terms of how, I guess, just how embedded um, these 
I guess, capitalistic tendencies are in, in the, within the immigrant story um, and how kind of how much it complicates the immigrant story. You know, I've had a few conversations with friends about severance over the last couple months, and some of them have said things like, well, I sort of wish it was two different books because it seems like it wants to tell one story about being an immigrant um, from southern China or um, having this sort of these questions of identity or assimilation. And then another story about global capitalism and the way that it makes us into zombies and, and, and sort of borrowing elements of, of the genre of uh, the zombie narrative or, or horror narratives. Um, but what you're saying right now is that there is a clear connection that is being drawn in the way that Severance puts these two, um, these two kinds of stories that seem like they've been mutually exclusive. So yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the the connections that you are seeing coming together as you were reading it for the second time. Yeah, sure. Um, I think in many ways it felt a lot more painful to me um, on this reading because I wasn't able to separate. I mean, the, the two narratives felt so intertwined to me and... I guess the discomfort for me in a in a very compelling way was that I was less ready to condemn these things that I I think and many others are so used to condemning in terms of um, consumerist tendencies and the way we use money in our society right now um, because in in severance for Candace and her parents. Um, it's so clear the relationship between, you know, how this is part of, you know, they move, they immigrate um, from China and these things are um, like Candace's mother, you know, she experiences this isolation. Um, she has this loss of family and community and, the things that kind of fill this hole end up being um, all of the kind of modern conveniences and amenities and things that money can buy in this country. Right. Yeah. Shopping. I mean, there's so many moments where it seems like the solution to some sort of existential problem in severance seems to be shopping or accruing <laughs> right. like commodities or, 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 or things, um, that give comfort in that in that same way but at the same time it's also a question of survival right like i think the the fight that she gets into with jonathan her boyfriend is that he's a sort of like you know um go wherever the wind takes me type he's a little bit of a willed bohemian doesn't like corporate america doesn't like working in an office wants to leave uh new york as it's getting gentrified and that's precisely why she decides not to be with him anymore because she's saying like it doesn't work you know this sort of idealistic re rejection of capitalism it doesn't work it's not a means of surviving in this world and certainly i think that has a lot to do with her growing up as a as an immigrant herself but also watching her parents struggle Right. And I think, you know, even aside from kind of the struggle to um, 
you know, to cover kind of the very basics, um, the struggle when you don't have um, kind of the the bonds of family um, connected to, you know, a common language around you. I've been in my own research thinking so much about this paradox of the migrant who's not granted mobility, specifically thinking about refugees and being in detention centers, but but also like just existentially what that means to be to be nego- like stuck between those two modes of constantly moving or being stuck and 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 or the movement being circular, a holding pattern, which is exactly what's happening to the to the fevered. Um, and you know, Candace is such an interesting conduit, or she's such an interesting lens in, through which to see this issue. Because, yeah, I mean, I have a theory. <laughs> I have a theory that Candace is fevered herself, and we're witnessing her incubation period. Um, because she's sort of stuck in her own holding pattern and it's almost unconscious. It's almost like, as you say, there's no say, there's no agency in why she's doing what she's doing. It's not clear why she works at this Bible company. It's not clear why she's going to the office when everybody else around her has ceased to go and she ins- insists on going, even when it's like physically difficult for her to do so. I mean, I, um, I'm kind of like... What is that? You know, is that like a popular theory about about Candace in this novel? Um, I, I mean, I kind of feel like, you know, if it's up for debate, which of course it is, um, I, I wonder if you know maybe what it's saying is that it's if we're not sure, then maybe what the statement is is that you know we, I mean, we are all implicated, right? Uh, like we could all be fevered. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. yeah, that's the scary. I think that's the horror of this novel. That's like the deepest horror is that like, oh, well, I mean, also to read it during the pandemic and constantly be thinking like, oh, was I in the room with somebody else who did I go to the grocery store and am I sick and going to get my whole family sick now? I mean, that's that's in my head all the time. Right. But I don't think it's like such I mean it's maybe not so completely damning because there are just these, I don't know, these scenes that I keep thinking about in the novel, you know, where there's um, that one scene where she has purchased the kind of the, the paper, the spirit money um, that's burned, um, you know, for people who've passed away and for, you know, for them to use in their afterlives. And, I just loved it when, you know, she ends up burning the money for her parents and then she ends up going through her roommate's magazines and cutting out all of these, you know, like, like, oh, you know, like these like luxury pants for my dad and like this car. And, you know, it's, it's so kind of sad because on the one hand, it's kind of mind boggling this idea. I mean, of course, it's, you know, a, a traditional practice, but like, you know, of using the using money and like you know focusing on these um objects right but on the other hand it's so clear that it's not it's not really about money and it's not really about objects it's about um family and you know care like care and ritual Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i mean i really appreciate 
that you're that you find there to be some redemption. I don't actually know. If it's, I don't actually know if it's it's a popular theory that Candace is fevered, but um, but it's my pet theory. But I'm glad to have you push against it, or at least find that, that there's something redemptive in that. Um, I've so enjoyed talking to you about severance in your own work, and I'm really. I'm really, I feel really privileged and glad to be able to talk to somebody um, in such depth about these two amazing works, including yours. Yeah, thank you so much, Nazia. Thank you. Thanks so much to Nasia Anam and Bonnie Chow for that resonant conversation. Next time on Severance Radio, we'll hear from multidisciplinary artists Brent Holmes and Lance L. Smith as they discuss art as a vehicle for imagining a new world. Severance is a 2020 Nevada Reads book selection. Nevada Reads is a statewide book club that invites readers from across the Silver State to come together and share in the love of reading. Severance Radio, a Nevada Reads book club, is produced by the Beverly Rogers, Carol C. Harder, Black Mountain Institute, and Nevada Humanities. Support from the Nevada Center for the Book, the Institute of Museum and Library Services, the Nevada State Library, and the National Endowment for the Humanities. Our engineer is Phil Corbett. Our writer is Sara Ortiz. Production by Lily Allen, Mir Arif, Stephanie Gibson, Kathleen Kuo, and Layla Muhammad. And I'm your host, Heidi Kaiser. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.